What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Grabs Podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what we do here, but in case you stumbled in here, this is the first one that you're hearing. Our goal here is simple. It's to highlight our wins and learn as much as we can from actual fireground rescues in the hopes of making us all a little bit more effective and efficient. we got a handful of guests tonight. Our guests tonight are Captain Josh Cates, uh, Firefighter Zach Miller. We have Battalion Chief Rink, excuse me, Rick Wonglin. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And we also have a couple other chiefs uh, that might be chiming in as well. All these guys are from the Belleville, Illinois Fire Department, and we can't wait to learn from their experiences. Um, Captain Cates, can you tell us a little bit about your department? Uh, we, our city population, we uh, cover about 45,000 residents. We, um, we run out of four engine houses, uh, fully manned. We have 14 on duty each day. Well, 15 counting the BC. Um, we can run at a minimum of 12. Uh, we run two ladders, two pumpers on regular basis. Okay, so you have four houses, is that right? Yes. So four engines, and was there two trucks as well? Well, we run two ladders as our frontline vehicles out of the two in the middle of the city, and then we have pumpers on the, the outer edges. Okay. Copy that. And then what's your staffing on each rig? Minimum staff. Uh, well, each engine is staffed with three. The ladders are staffed with four, as long as we don't have anybody off. Okay. But at a minimum, it's three per apparatus. Got you. Copy that. So what's your first alarm assignment consist of? Uh, so what's the staffing um, and, and what's the resources? I guess we kind of already covered the staffing, but what are the resources? Do you send everything there? No, depending upon the situation, like for this fire, we sent, we would send the two trucks because they're in the middle and then the closest uh, uh, pumper. So we had three apparatus committed and then we reserved the fourth one for any other calls within the city. Okay. Uh, they move up to the center of town so that they're ready to respond to whatever may come in. That makes sense. Um, how about mutual aid? Do you guys call for mutual aid if need be? We have mutual aid run cars, depending upon the situation. The chief or the BC, once they arrive on scene, makes that determination. Okay. And then can you tell me a little bit about where Belleville, Illinois is, for those that might not know? We're, what, 20 miles east of St. Louis? Okay. So very southern edge of Illinois, just outside of uh, Missouri. Right. right. Just across the river. Just across the river. Perfect. All right, this one's a little bit more nebulous, but what's the search culture like within your organization? So what I mean by that is who typically searches, how do you prioritize search, and how often are you guys training on search? Well, normally it'd be the second company in, we would do like truck duties. Uh, they'd be responsible for the search while the initial attack crew was uh, fighting the fire. With this instance though, with the fact that we had people stating we had a victim inside, we quickly knocked down the fire and then we tried to do double duty as far as searching while uh, as soon as we had a knock on the fire. So it, it kind of varies based on the situation, but ideally the, the second truck in would do truck duties and they'd perform the search. Okay. So when you have your, your two trucks from the, the inside of the city, the interior part of the city, do they have water on them as well? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the fire that we're going to talk about and the rescue that we made? When was that? And uh, what did you guys get toned out to initially? It was Sunday. Uh, it was initially, when, the, when we got toned out, it was a structure fire with three people trapped. This is the way it was wrung out. Um, 
it was a little different with this situation because we had been there previously approximately two hours before in the day. The city has a burn ordinance and they were burning trash. So a, a neighbor had called and we had been there and spoken with the occupants. So we for sure knew there was two people there at the time we had responded earlier in the day. Um, and we'd already seen the, the uh, residents and everything when we were there the first time. So it made for a little bit of a different response from us. Okay. And so was it right away? Did you know that this was obviously you'd been there earlier in the day? So was this a single family dwelling or multifamily? Yeah, it's a single family. Well, not really a ranch because it runs more back as opposed to left or right on the, from the street. Okay. Um, but yeah, just a small single family home in a neighborhood. Okay. One story uh, basement or no basement? No, it's on a slab. They're all on a slab in that. They're uh, wood frames. And then you mentioned that there were reports of victims. Was that per dispatch or is that once you guys got on scene? Uh, both. So dispatch uh, stated there were three trapped when they dispatched us. Uh, when we got on scene, one of the occupants we had seen previous in the day was outside being tended to by uh, police officers. He couldn't tell us where anybody else was. There were also some neighbors at the adjacent home who stated his pregnant girlfriend was inside the home. That that was the only other person that they were aware of. Okay. What time of day was it when this was dispatched? 1023. 1023 a.m., right? P.m. 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 Okay. Copy that. And when you say this happened on Sunday, this is just this past Sunday. So we're talking about August, I don't know, 17th or something like whatever date that is. It would have been uh, like 24th, 23rd. August 23rd. Yep. Okay, perfect. Just for anyone who listens to this well into the future, just so they can kind of have some context here. So this is right during COVID time. Um, what did the scene look like when you got there? Uh, was there smoke showing? Was there fire showing? How much? When, when we arrived on scene, there was fire blowing out the BC corner. Um, a pretty decent amount of fire. We had smoke. The front door had been forced, I believe, by PD. So we did have some smoke coming out the front door. Um, that was pretty much the situation we had upon arrival. Yeah, there was some pretty good dark smoke coming out of the Charlie Delta corner, the bedroom over there, but no, no fire visible. Okay, and who was on scene first? Was Chief on scene first, or were you guys first too, or was there another rig there? We were there first. We pulled up on scene. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of in our response district that the second engine would be pretty close, and they pulled in pretty closely behind us, and I believe I was, you had – I was right behind you guys. Right. We were well, – the BC rides in a separate buggy. He came in behind us, and then 11 would have been next on scene. Okay, so within a minute or two, you guys had a battalion chief and, and assumedly seven or eight firefighters on scene. Is that right? Well, it would have been six firefighters, a battalion chief. I got there right after that. Let's say, and then our chief was on scene pretty quick, and so was our deputy chief. Okay, beautiful. Um, all right, so you guys are the first arriving crew. What are you guys tasked with at this point in time? Our, our tasking is to get water on the fire. Okay. So we had the three of us we we like i said having been earlier today we pre-planned it a little bit on the way there where we were going to stage the apparatus and everything so a lot of the guesswork was taken out of it when we arrived on scene firefighter miller pulled a pre-connect stretched it out in the front yard and got it ready to go uh, we packed up and and we could see the fire down the hallway 
uh, like I said, the, the door had been opened and it was burning in the end of a hallway into a bedroom off to the left-hand side of the hallway. And we could see it starting to extend out of that bedroom. So we knew exactly where to advance the line. Okay, so sounds like visibility was pretty good. Is that fair, Mr. Miller? <clears throat> yeah, I would say visibility. I mean, the smoke was banked down a few feet, but for the most part, got low. We could see where that fire was. We knew exactly where we were headed to make a knock on it initially. Perfect. So you guys crossed that threshold, made entry, advanced towards the fire, knocking down the fire. Any difficulties with uh, with fire attack at that point in time? No, really no difficulties. It was, say, 20, 30 foot, you know, into the house. We hit that corner of the uh, hallway there. The bedroom was on the left. Pretty good fire. We hit it. I hit it just a little bit. You know, as we were advancing down, I could kind of see it starting to creep out a little bit. Just a real quick burst. Once we made that turn into it, really hit it. A lot of heat was banked up in there. Um, I think we determined it had flashed over, you know, for sure at some point. Um, so it was going good, but about 20, 30 seconds of good water on it. It seemed like we got a good knock. There was a couple corners that, you know, had to get into the bedroom after that just to really fully kind of get it out. And then, you know, obviously start searching and think about other things at that point. Okay. So how big is the footprint of this building, would you say? It's 1,400 square feet based on the data we have. Okay. Um, it's a pretty standard layout. Come in the front door, living room to the left, kitchen to your right, uh, garage further on the other side of that kitchen. Uh, and then it's a straight hallway goes back. You pass a bedroom on the way, and then when you get to the end, you have a bedroom on the left, a bedroom straight ahead, and then your bathroom to the right. Okay. Um, all right. So, Firefighter Miller, you knocked that fire down. What happens next? Where do we start ventilating? Do we hydraulically ventilate? Do we start searching? Are we, are we working on other tasks as well? Yeah, so kind of while we're there, you know, I uh, got a good knock on the fire. There were still some hot spots. Um, as I was kind of going to move into the room a little bit, hit those hot spots, you know, the places I couldn't get, like the closet, Captain Cates um, mentioned to me that he was going to kind of start a little bit of search. You know, it's a small house. I was right in the doorway there, so we're not going to get far away, but he was starting to kind of look in another bedroom, you know, just see what he could feel around. Um, yeah, we maintained voice contact through that. Uh, but that was my priority was make sure that nozzle was on the fire there, just in case, you know, like I said, a lot of heat. I didn't want anything to re reignite from that. So I kind of maintained that. Captain Case began just searching around. Okay, so did you peel off from that hose line then, Cap, and start your search from that fire? Right. Yeah, like you said, I left him in the doorway, but I wasn't two feet from the next yeah. door, maybe three feet from the bathroom. Um, and I felt comfortable with where the fire was at and with him being having the experience he has that if there was a problem, we'd be able to communicate with one another. Okay. So you mentioned the bathroom. Is that where the victim was found? Correct. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that the bathroom door was locked in our earlier conversation. So kind of awkward, right? That someone's inside a bathroom, house is on fire and the door is locked. Was that kind of a red flag? Like someone's, she's gotta be in this room. Well, and, and unfortunately having been there earlier in the day, we probably had some preconceived notions of what we were gonna find when we arrived on scene. So yeah, when we found that, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised by it, but it, it did seem weird, but the whole situation seemed pretty weird uh, to begin with. Okay, so you got in the bathroom. Did you have to force entry into that bathroom door? Yeah, it was a pretty minor. I just kicked it and was able to get it open. So where is she in the bathroom? Is she in the tub? Is she on the floor, on the toilet? She's in the, 
partially filled tub. And, and that's part of what gave it away because visibility, we had called for ventilation at this point, but visibility was still bad enough that you couldn't see in there and the imager wasn't working. Uh, not, it was working, it just didn't work for that scenario, that situation. We, uh, as we got in the bathroom though, I could, visibility was improving and I could see her in the tub, but it was the running water in the tub that, that seemed odd um, and made me probably stay in there probably a little longer looking for her. Okay, so you find her in the tub, water's going, you have clothes on how big is she how big she doesn't have any clothes on and she's probably about a 140 pounds five six uh, maybe 150 somewhere in there so not not large by any means i'm sorry i couldn't hear you i'm sorry uh kind of an average size female 150 yeah. pounds, maybe give or take okay yeah. so she's in the tub she's naked she's wet how difficult was it for you uh, and how many members did it take to remove her? And how difficult was that? Well, about the time I found her, so we had another crew inside. They started searching from the front of the house. By now, they've made it to the rear. One of the members relieved Miller from the hose line. So now he's in the bathroom with me. Okay. Uh, I, I set her up, and we both grabbed an arm. We basically just lifted her up and out of the tub and onto the floor. Okay, so now you got her on the floor. What did it right. look like when you moved her out? Were you each grabbing an arm and just walking backwards with her? Or was there- Well, there's a lot of debris. Uh, like most of the homes we go in, there's a lot of stuff on the floors. Um, I had both of her wrists and, and Miller grabbed her feet to avoid dragging her because she didn't have any clothes on. Okay. Uh, and then I radioed outside when we found her so they could have EMS ready. And we basically just carried her to a open spot in the front yard and EMS began treating her. Okay. What kind of stuff was on the floor inside that apartment? Every clothing, you know, just um, things that normally belong. Yeah, in the things that belong in the house, but not out in the middle of the floor. Okay, which you know made searching more difficult as well. Nothing dangerous on the floor, or anything like that. Well, after the fact, uh, yeah, I don't know if I should probably include that. No problem. No worries. We won't even go there then. Okay. So, how long from when you found the victim to when the victim was removed? Seven. From the time we found her. Yeah. So the time we got her outside, I'd say less than two minutes. I know it was, uh, I can tell you for sure, it was 10 minutes from the time that we arrived on scene to the time the victim was out the front door. Okay. And then how far away are you guys? Uh, so what was dispatch time until arrival time? How long was that? Do you know? Four minutes. Four minutes. So four minutes to get on scene and then give or take a handful of minutes to knock the fire down and then two minutes to get her out. Yeah, getting set up and sorting information out and so forth. That's pretty darn impressive right there, fellas. And just to kind of add this in, just so that you kind of are aware and your listeners are aware that, uh, you know, while these guys were doing the jobs that they said, um, the Engine 11, which was the second uh, second in company, they were also working. They were doing a primary search, covering the other direction of the house. So once they found the victim, that was where they met back up with the 49 crew, with uh, Captain Cates' crew, and then they swapped out personnel with the hose line firefighter miller joined his captain and they removed the victim at that point so uh there was there was other stuff happening at the same time you know there's a coordinated uh, uh attack here and, and rescue yeah a couple of things that you brought up that i'm that i'm a big proponent of is when it comes to the search a we're divided and conquering we know that fire attack is search just inherently fire attack is going to stumble upon a bunch of people so starting our our primary search with the with our search group Starting them somewhere else, I think, is a smart move. I also like that once you found that victim and there was another search crew right there, 
you didn't pass that person off. You just kept going um, and did that because the primary at that point in time sounds like it was complete. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That's well done, fellas. Um, so obviously she wasn't all that large of a lady, but did physical fitness come into play at all during all this? Obviously you guys are, are relatively fit. Um, you look really fit, but would it have been worse off if you guys were not as oh, fit? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in a lot of these discussions and a lot of these classes and trainings is how important that physical fitness is. I think we all just kind of assume and we all know this. I don't think it's hammered home quite enough. I can agree with that. I was, well, part of it was just excitement, but out of breath when we got her outside. And like I said, she wasn't large and, and he did just as much work as I did. You know, we had two people, but yeah. yeah, I was out of breath and I had to take a break after getting her outside. So I think anybody else in poor shape would have struggled possibly and, and they would have been inside maybe longer. So you mentioned that there were reports of victims uh, initially with dispatch and then on scene as well. What if anything changes for you guys and within your department when you hear reports of victims? Does anything change or does, does something change? Well, I would think everybody's response level or their, their level of uh, probably goes up a notch, you know, because now we're thinking about that more so than just the structure itself. And, and it's not very often. I mean, we get a lot of alarms and stuff, but it's, it, it's not one of those calls that you go to so often that you've kind of lost interest or stopped paying attention to. So I think everybody has a heightened sense of what's going on. Uh, we probably move a lot faster on the fire ground, I would assume. I think I know that's true for me. Yeah, definitely. Tempo's increased a little bit. Absolutely. Anxiety is, is, is heightened as well. Um, what's one lesson? And I'll, I'll hit each of you guys here. So I'll hit Captain Cates and then I'll hit Firefighter Miller. What's one lesson that you learned from this fire that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Well, I, we train quite a bit here, both at like the company level, the department level, and even just on an apparatus. So we do searches, but when we do a search, it's a dummy or even an individual in a room with furniture, mm -hmm. not all the stuff that we run into commonly. So I would say we probably need to increase the amount of uh, distractions, if you will, inside of a room when we're training, uh, maybe develop a technique to figure out because even when visibility cleared, our battalion chief asked, uh, as far as on our uh, initial search, if it was clear, I wasn't comfortable saying it was completely clear because there was so much debris in the home. Okay. So it's, it would be easy to miss something. And, and we should probably focus more of our training around that type of scenario since it seems like a lot of the homes we go into, that is the condition. I think that's pretty common. I don't think you guys are alone there, whereas most departments and schools and, and even training organizations sometimes they train in these sterilized buildings, these burn buildings that have one couch in them and, you know, a bunch of floor space that's empty and a bunch of wall space with nothing on it. And so you feel confident saying that, you know, primary is clear negative. And real life, as, as <clears throat> most of us are, are well aware of, it's not how, how it all pans out in, in practice. Uh, how about you, Firefighter Miller? Anything that you, that you learned? Uh, just... Speaking for myself, you know, this is the first time I've really been in, had a true victim to rescue, you know, so communication was awesome. I, I got to chalk up everything really to Captain Cates. You know, he let me know exactly what he was doing, you know, what was going on and just moving as a team, you know, so the repetitions. I've only been with Captain Cates for 
since May of this year, you know, so I haven't had a lot of time to just get with him and train with him. But knowing that we're all on the same page, you know, we all go through the same fire academy really sets us up. And it was great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Just one last question, and this is for anybody and everybody in there. Um, this one's a little bit – it's similar but different. But has this fire changed your mindset towards the job, how you train, or how you search at all? I, I would say – I mean, it's a great thing we were able to get her out. So, I mean, it, it makes you proud of the job you do. It makes you want to do it better. Absolutely. So depending upon how we see how we could possibly be better at our jobs, I think we're always looking for that. But when you see that it's actually going to come into play, I think absolutely it changes your mindset. And, and we'll make a little bit of a difference on this one is uh, a lot of times we get these grabs and they live for a couple of days in the hospital and then, then they pass on. And, and we're, we're grateful that the family got a chance to at least see him. Absolutely. But in this case, we've actually on our Facebook page, heard from both the mother and the daughter of the victim, you know, how grateful they are that she's still alive. I mean, she's not just, you know, somebody they're not going to see again. I mean, she, she actually made it from this call. She's got a long road to recovery, but it, it's really nice knowing that this is something that, you know, we actually made a difference in, the, in a family's life. So do we know how she's doing? It sounds like we handed her off to EMS. And then I have a, a little heads up. And I know that she went to a hospital and was immediately transported to a burn center in St. Louis. Do we know how she's doing right now? No, not directly. Like I said, the only, the only thing we know is from the mother's uh, post on our Facebook page and the daughter's that, that she's alive because of us and they're grateful. So I'm taking that as meaning that, you know, they still have their mom, you know. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And so – Door to that bathroom was closed, correct? Yes. Were there smoke alarms going off? Uh, did you guys talked about that after because that's part of our reporting, and nobody recalls hearing any uh, smoke alarms going off. Okay. There's two questions that I'm always uh, personally interested in when it comes to kind of the, the proactive side of a lot of this. Um, anything else you guys want to add along, add to this? Well, I would. Uh, this yeah. is the town chief Moglin. And I just, uh, I know this is for everybody to kind of learn, uh, you know, just little bits and pieces from, from successes and failures that other crews and departments have had. Uh, I would just, as a chief officer and, uh, and you know, the, the operations command, I just would like to say what a great job that these guys did, uh, these two specifically, as well as, you know, the other companies that were operating uh, on scene in the building and so forth. Um, I mean, you go through training time after time again, and you know you just hope that it all comes together like it's supposed to when you get the real call. And uh, you know I can honestly say that uh, you know I'm very proud of these guys, and uh, you know the training's paid off, and and they did what they're supposed to, and you know two lives, well actually two lives directly as well as as many many more indirectly were affected by this. So uh, you know chalk this one up as a win. That was beautiful, Chief. Well said. That's good chiefing right there, giving praise to these guys. Um, well, thank you so much, everybody, uh, for sharing experience with us. Uh, Josh, Zach, all the Chiefs, we really appreciate all of your time. For everyone listening, if you or anyone else you know makes a grab, please, please go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out a quick survey. That's one survey per rescue, so we can all get smarter, better, and faster. And if you make a grab, grab and want to share your experience with all of our listeners, please reach out to either Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or myself, Nick Ledeen, and we'll try to record an episode.
Thank you, fellas, again, uh, and everyone listening to this. Take care.